Disaster, a podcast about disasters and the music they make us listen to. I'm Peter, and I'm here with my co-host, Lee. Hi. And a special guest, Andy. Hello. Childhood friend and other musical collaborator. Hooray. Yay. And you're joining us for, did I say Tragedy Tuesday? I don't think I did. You're joining us for Tragedy Tuesday, the uh, first one of 2020. Ooh. Hope you had a great new year. So do I. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Me too. Me also. I think Andy, Andy probably, do you hope? I wish everybody had a great New Year's, yeah. That sounds fake. No, it's genuine. <laughs> <laughs> You're so fake. Anyway, a little bit of housekeeping up front. We're going to get right into it. But if you want to uh, help us out, the best thing you can do as a little maybe late Christmas present is to tell a friend about our podcast if you like what you hear. And if you aren't already, subscribe and maybe leave us a review. That would be fantastic. And if you also, you want to, if you want like the full experience, we do a lot of callbacks, not necessarily inside jokes, but we'll reference previous episodes that we've talked about before. So if you want to be fully in the know, if you want like the box set experience, I recommend going back to episode one and mm-hmm. checking it all out. Binge our show. Indeed. Today, Peter's cool. going to give us a tragedy. Yeah, today. here we go. It's going to be a good one, I think. Okay. I think it's going to be a good one. So for 97. Finally. Sorry. Wow. <laughs> the truth comes out. <laughs> So here's the real disaster. We're breaking up. Uh, <laughs> breaking I'll up take the over band. the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's why Andy's here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> anyway, for 97 years, Circuit de la Sarthe, located in Sarthe, France, has been the home for the pinnacle of motorsport endurance and efficiency. I see you peeking at my notes. It's mostly notes, but sometimes... I was, I- just, I was just reading the French. Well, okay, fine. <laughs> Someone speaks French better than me. Do you me. have a, would oh, you like I a just, crack at that? Wanna, I just didn't understand the first word. You want a crack at <laughs> Cir, Circuit de la Sarthe? Yeah. Cir, circuit. Cir, Cir, circuit de la Sarthe. <laughs> the just, Sarth Circuit. You'll get there. Oh, I you'll see. You'll get okay. there. So okay. for 97 years, the Sarth Circuit, thank mm-hmm. you, Andy. That's mm-hmm. why he's here. French right. translation. Yeah. For 97 years, the Sarth Circuit, located in Sarth, France, has been the home to the pinnacle of motorsport endurance and efficiency. So Sarth is a region in France, and the competition is named after the town where the circuit is located, Le Mans. Oh. Grand Prix racing goes back to the 1890s. And Formula One, the pinnacle of motorsport, has its origins in the 1920s and 1930s. Okay. And actually, interestingly, because I'm a huge fan of Formula One, in the uh, 1940s, they formalized the rules on Formula One racing. Yeah. And the reason that it's called Formula One is because they all follow this formula of specifications that the car can be constructed to. Okay. And there's different formulas. There's formula, like formula one's the pinnacle. Then you have formula two, formula three, you have like formula Ford, all these different formulas that prescribe how teams can build their cars. Formula five? Yeah. Well, Six? Not necessarily. No. I think it's, <laughs> how many one, are there? Seven. I think it's like one, two, three. And then there are other like, manuf- there's like f- for a long time, there's formula Ford and other ones. Uh, okay. But anyway. But there's like formula two races? Yeah. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, yeah. As, as I think technically, I think it's called fan. GP2, but oh, okay. it's like Formula 2, essentially. Formula and three. Grand Prix Grand Prix preceded racing. that? Uh, yeah, so it kind of like, I think Grand Prix kind of encapsulates everything. Because, for example, in Formula 1 racing, if you have, uh, you have a race in, uh, in, in Monaco, you'd call it the Monaco Grand Prix. Okay. But that's a Formula 1 race. In 1890? Uh, 1890 is when they started the races. Uh, Formula One wasn't really formalized until the 1940s after the Second World War. Was it like a Ben-Hur situation? (laughs) (laughs) What were they racing? They had cars in In the 1890s. Yeah. They were like... (laughs) 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 But yeah, they raced them. As as soon as... You you invent a form of transportation. The first thing someone wants to do is race it. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. You can race tortoises, too. Exactly. You can race it with a hair and see who wins. (sighs) Hair... 
No, the tortoise. <laughs> I know. Wins. Go on. Fables. So in Formula One, uh, the goal is basically to create a fast car that will last the length of a race, which is generally around two hours. Yeah. But 24-hour of Le Mans was devised as a way of competing on efficiency and reliability rather than speed. Lame. <laughs> Boring. What are your thoughts on motorsport, Andy? No, no, I mean, I'm just kidding, but it's kind of funny to juxtapose yeah. those two. It's like yeah. Efficiency. Okay, well, I'll get into, I'll get into some numbers. Let's go fast. I'll get into some numbers. Fast and furious. Super, super fast. Tokyo Drift. Great movie. <laughs> Great movie. Surprising, surprisingly, like, lore-heavy, the Fast and the Furious movies. Because there's not a lot of plot holes and, like, loopholes in those movies. They tie up loose ends. Oh, really? Fast and the Furious. Not a disaster. Check them all out. You should talk to our friend Mike about that. He loves those movies. Yeah, they're fucking awesome. Yeah. 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 So the first 24-hour of Le Mans race was run on the 26th and 27th of May, 1923. And early on, the races were dominated by British, Italian, and French teams by manufacturers like Alfa Romeo, Bentley, and Bugatti. I'm yeah. picturing a lot of jaunty mustaches. There, in, there were indeed. <laughs> and not a lot of protective equipment. Oh, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I remember watching a documentary on Formula One safety, and they would say that Drivers in the early days of Formula One purposely didn't leave, didn't wear a seatbelt because the best chances of winning would in a crash or the best chances of surviving in a crash would be to get thrown from your car. Oh, I thought you meant I thought you were say the best chance of winning were to get thrown from your car. I made it across the finish line. No, <laughs> my torso's over no. there. But... No, not no, no. The best, like your odds of survival go up if you're thrown from your car. And there was a ten-year racing hiatus between 1939 and 1949. Was Brothers. something happening during that? Time. Everyone in Europe was on vacation. Okay. <laughs> it's taken her easy. Taken her easy. <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a lot of money for extravagance. No. I'm thinking. Or a lot of racetracks that weren't covered <laughs> in craters. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> they had a resurgence following the Second World War, and a new breed of cars came to the forefront. So Ferrari won in 1949 in the first one, and you also had other teams like Mercedes and Jaguar that came to the forefront Boom. in the 1950s. There's your big go. three right there. And actually, interestingly, Mercedes-Benz, they didn't, I don't think they raced before, and they came back after because... I think a lot of the engineers that worked on Mercedes Formula One and Le Mans cars were the same ones that worked on like German warplanes. Yeah. It's like, well, we know how to make super efficient motors. Let's just put wheels on them instead of propellers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and swastikas. Well, Ew. they kind of cut that out after yeah. the whole. In a nutshell, just about the competition. So the teams have 24 hours to compete as many laps as the circuit as possible which, as Andy indicated, might sound lame on its own. Yeah. But it's a 13.6 kilometer track or 8.5 miles. There's 38 turns. The record lap was set in 2019 at 3 minutes and 17 seconds to do 13.6 kilometers. And usually the lap counts are in the 300s. And to your point, Andy, in modern Le Mans racing, there's a straight where speeds top out at over 300 kilometers an hour. That's incredible. So, Aha. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So Formula One, the fastest, I think the fastest straight line speed on a track in Formula One is probably at the Italian Grand Prix at around 360 kilometers an hour. Jeez. But uh, here there's like two long straights on the Le Mans circuit and they usually end up at around 300, 320 kilometers an hour. And what's the distance on these, these so, stretches? I don't know about the stretches specifically, but the whole track is about just over four, uh, around 14 kilometers. Okay. Yeah. And you're doing that, you're doing as many laps of that circuit as you can in 24 hours. And these Usually are, around 300. And these are the cars, they don't look like F1 cars, right? No, they, they have the they hood. Have cockpit, they have hoods that, and covered and, wheels. And windshields. Yeah. So the other thing, the other distinction is in formula racing, it's open wheel, open cockpit. Although mm. like in formula one cars, now they have that halo that they added, but it's still like an open cockpit Okay. and the wheels are uncovered. Okay. Uh, but in Le Mans racing, it's like you have, you're in the car and you're covered and the wheels are covered. 
it's so looking it's more, more like your standard. It, it still looks car. nothing like a sport. It well, it looks more like a sports car, right? But still nothing. They like have a kind of. A, they, I remember as a kid, they always look those the Le Mans type cars yeah. always kind of look futuristic. To yeah, me. they are. Yeah, they're very cool. Looking they're though. super cool and mm-hmm. super fast, and you have to drive. And this is what I'm saying: like they're they're you're hitting speeds of 300 kilometers, and you have to do it without breaking down for 24 hours. Yeah, take back right. my comment. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> it's it's difficult to watch. I've tried watching like coverage of a Le Mans race, but it's 24 hours. Right. So it's like you check just, in every now and then. Who who won? <laughs> yeah. Formula One, you know that you're in for like two hours of intense racing. So right. that's that, that you can watch. But Le Mans is more of something you read about, uh, for me at least. So in 1955, the competition was stiff. Yes, Ferrari, Mercedes, and Jaguar all had recent wins under their belt, and everyone showed up with newly designed cars. So it was going to be a tight race, and everyone everyone kind of knew it. All right. Uh, Mercedes brought their new state of the art car, the 300 SLR. Okay, what they called it. Key among the innovations that they brought was an extremely light body made of a magnesium composite. Quick sidebar about magnesium. (laughs) It'll be important. Okay. (laughs) It's the ninth most abundant element in the universe, and it's created in supernovas. Cool. Ah, This is what I'm talking about, the nexus. So we learned all about how that happens in the Cosmic Terror episode, episode 11 with Norm. So go listen to it. Some some features of magnesium, just just some random features of magnesium. Random facts. Uh, Highly flammable. Mm. especially in powder form and when, or when present in thin strips, like on the body of a car. Okay. When it burns, it can reach temperatures of around 3,100 degrees Celsius <laughs> or 5,600 degrees Is Fahrenheit. Is that a real temperature? Yeah. So it you can reach 3,100 degrees Celsius. Sun on wheels. Uh-huh. And it was used extensively in firebombing campaigns during the Second World War. Because it's very difficult to put out the flames. Really, you can only smother them with sand. So slap it on a vehicle. Yeah, well. It's going to be going 300 clicks an hour. But it's super light. And carbon fiber wouldn't be a thing for another, like, 50 years. Well, hey. <laughs> it's dollars and cents, and dollars make sense. So when it burns, I it burns hot, fast, and long. Okay. <laughs> and actually, that's actually interesting, like... Because, and the other thing is, like, if you try to put it out with water, it's gonna, it's like a grease fire. It water makes it worse. Okay. And it burns, too. Like, it's, it's like a low flame. Like, it's intense, but I think I, it, I read, like, it doesn't get over, like, 30 centimeters in height. So, like, it'll burn this high at most. Yeah. I'm indicating 30 centimeters. I see your hands. Right. Yes. It's intense. Have it's, you ever tried hot. to put out a grease fire with water by accident? Like, just instinctively? No. Funny stuff. Okay. <laughs> sounds like sounds like a personal disaster. I witnessed it. No, oh, boy. <laughs> it's not good. And here's another little fun thing for people keeping keeping up with the podcast. They called this compound Electron with a K. Oh. Which kind of is ominous if you think back to episode 9 and 10 about Donald Crowhurst and the Tinmouth Electron. Oh, yeah. That kind of got him into trouble. That never uh, goes well. Yeah. Don't, don't name your thing Electron. No. Apparently bad, not. Bad news. So cars in this era topped out at around 270 kilometers an hour. So okay. still fast. Probably more terrifying in a lot of ways because I, I think I'd feel more comfortable going 320 kilometers an hour in a car designed in 2019 as opposed to 270 <laughs> kilometers an hour in a car designed in the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> like the same era of asbestos yeah. and smoking for your health. <laughs> What's the fastest you've ever gone in a car? Probably one, maybe 150. Okay. Like that. I did uh, 180 when I was in Germany. Oh, oh, nice. On the Autobahn? On the Autobahn. Nice. nice. But not in a cool car. No, no. <laughs> like, I rented a car, and it was oh, like, shit. it was like, uh, you know, like a Ford Fit, or, or, or a Honda Fit, rather. Praying it doesn't shake you know, <laughs> The coolest feature of it was that the doors opened, the hinges on the doors yeah. opened in the on, on the inside, do you know what I mean? Oh, like suicide doors? Is that what they call those? Uh, mm. 
Like it was that old car where like the rear doors open forward. Like, well, in North America, you're, you're, the hinges on the driver's side door yeah, yeah. are right by your feet. Yeah, yeah. 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 On this case, it would be over behind your shoulder. Oh, cool. Almost Ooh. like a gullwing sort of thing? Well, I think gullwing's up. Yeah. Like the DeLorean. You know what? It doesn't matter, but I did drive fast in this stupid car cool. that I rented. That's terrifying, right? So you kind of know what I'm talking about. Like two 70s and a 50s car. Oh, absolutely. Way more terrifying. It would be like the space shuttle taking off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. For 24 hours. Right. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> Shake your fillings loose. The track was widened after the Second World War, but that's basically where the safety measures ended for Le Mans. Okay. So there was no separation between the track and the pit where the cars went to like refuel and get there. Yeah. You basically just like pull to the side right and all the cars are still flying by there's no separation there and just people lining the roads well and well the grandstands were separated by basically a strip of dirt so like there's no safety barriers or anything basically think of like a median on a busy city right that's between the crowd and cars going 300 kilometers an hour with a strip of dirt well it'll keep you safe well sure (laughs) we'll see how that goes (laughs) so within the first hour of the race Ferrari, Jaguar, and Mercedes were the top three cars. So the Ferrari was being driven by Eugenio Castelliotti. Never been a less Italian pronunciation of that name. I think. <laughs> Eugenio <laughs> Castellotti. <laughs> yeah. I think he liked pizza. Just really <laughs> get the music of it. <laughs> it's like Glorious Bastard. Yeah. <laughs> Bongiorno. <laughs> So he was a Formula One driver from Italy. A lot of people that end up end up in Le Mans still are from Formula One originally. Oh, okay. Because Formula One is kind of, it's called, it's basically the pinnacle of it's motor racing because it's like the fastest cars and it's like one of the, it's like the top achievement as a racing driver. Right. So a lot of people will like start in Formula One and then go to Le Mans after. Oh, okay. Right. But Eugenio, so he after, the, like well after this, two years later actually, he died in a crash during a testing session for the 1957 season. Yeah. Just like a mini disaster. I'll, I'll give you a bonus disaster. He hit a curve at 140 kilometers an hour. His uh-huh. body was flung 100 meters and he died instantly when his head hit the ground. Oh. Oh, yeah. As you do. Right. So, so being thrown clear is... Yeah. As we've as we've <laughs> discussed, physics didn't really deal out a lot of mercy in the early days of motorsport. <laughs> like, I can imagine not. If you lose control... It's over. Yeah. And the sad thing is, as you just mentioned, that's... He's just testing. Yeah. Or yeah. testing <laughs> no some new feature or whatever right. it is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Have you, guys, have you guys seen the movie Rush? The, oh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. drugs one, not the not car one. The car one, not the drug. Yeah, no. There's okay. two. So you haven't. No, I have not. Okay. I've seen the Short car answer, one, not yeah. the drug one. <laughs> yeah, Turns out there's a drug one, too. With Jason Patrick and ah, Jennifer Jason Lee. I've never seen it. Go on. At the beginning of that movie, they talk about how, like, even in the 70s in Formula One, I think at least one driver a year would die mm. during the season. Oh, yeah. So it's like, if you're in motorsport in this time, you kind of go into it knowing what you're in for. Oh, yeah. So that was, he was driving the Ferrari. Each team had multiple cars, mm-hmm. but basically the the lead drivers in the first car were Eugenio Castellotti. In Jaguar, it was Mike Hawthorne, and he was uh, UK's first Formula One champion in 1958. Okay. And Mercedes had, their main driver was uh, Juan Manuel Fangio. Mm. Formula One drivers kind of know him because he's kind of a legend in Formula One. Okay. And he's from Argentina. Uh, Argentina? There we go. Fuck. It's from Argentina. Oh, I was like, well, he must not be trying to say Argentina. No, he was trying, he to, was trying to say Argentina. Because okay. my note says Argentinian, and then I was like, Argent... He's from Argentinian. Fuck's sake. <laughs> anyway, he's a five-time Argentinian Formula One champion. Ah. Cool. There you go. Yeah. Doing the Argentinian proud. Right. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> now I have to leave all this in. <laughs> I said it wrong. I said it wrong, too. <laughs> Good. The race started at 4 p.m. on June 11th, 1955. 
On lap 35, Hawthorne driving the Jaguar and Fangio driving the Mercedes were pushing each other hard, and they'd basically been trading first place for the last two hours. Yeah, yeah. And Hawthorne was due for a pit stop. So he, this is kind of ridiculous, because there's no, like, team radio or anything at this point. Okay. So he raised his hand to signal his intention to come into the pits. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Like, go to the pits, guys. Raising his hand, like, I can't. But again, enclosed, he's enclosed as well, right? So nobody's going to see his hand. I think it might have actually, looking at the cars, I think it might have been open. Back then. Uh, Back then. It became closed. Yeah. But even then, if you're driving... 200 kilometers an hour. Can you even hold your hand? (laughs) 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 Dislocates his shoulder. It's like the wild west of motorsport. Clearly no. And the other ridiculous thing is that like, like I said, the pits not even, there's not separated from the racing line, but there's also no deceleration lane. Right. It's just like, it's all the racing lines. Right. Okay. Okay. Which is part of the problem as we see. (laughs) And the other part of the problem is that a lot of people still at this point used drum brakes in the mm. in the wheels and Jaguar was one of the teams that had adopted disc brakes which is what we have now which is basically like the clamp that pushes down on a disc and yeah, drum yeah. brakes basically they just expand and they push on the inside of the wheel oh. just way less efficient at braking okay so that's another part of the problem that we'll see because it's brand new and a lot not a lot of drivers were familiar with how quickly the Jaguars could brake Ah. So he signaled and he hit the brakes to decelerate and come into the pit. Lance Macklin, driving an Austin Healey, swerved to avoid the collision with Hawthorne's car. Okay. Because basically he was like, holy shit, that came a lot faster. (laughs) He is expecting a gradual deceleration. Stop on a dime. Exactly. There's some uncertainty exactly about how the swerve happened. It's possible that his brakes, Macklin's brakes worked unevenly and caused him to kind of lose control. But either way, he swerved out of the way of uh, Hawthorne coming into the pits. Unfortunately, right behind him was the Mercedes number two car being driven by Pierre Levey, who was a French Formula One driver. All right. He kind of had an unremarkable Formula One career, but it turns out he was pretty good at tennis and hockey. Okay. Who's this now? Pierre uh, the, yeah, the guy driving the number two Mercedes oh, car. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Number car, car number one was being driven by Fangio, and car number two was driven by Levey. Who's not, great at hockey and a tennis. Went, tennis. Tennis. Good at, yeah. And also... So-so at Formula One. Yeah. Different different LeVay from leader of the Church of Satan. Anton LeVay. Yeah. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> no LeVay. I think? Probably not. Anyway. Probably not. LeVay's car rode up onto the back of Macklin's Austin Healey, which acted like a ramp. Oh. Oh, God. <laughs> not, not a great start. So it's reported that LeVay managed to raise his hand in warning to Fangio, who was also coming up right behind LeVay. <laughs> and leveraging balls of steel... Fangio basically slammed his foot onto the accelerator and powered past LeVay's careening car and Macklin, who is now also out of control. And avoided them. Yeah. Wow. He just like, he was like, like, well, I can't, because if he, he probably like split second decision making, he realized if he's going to hit the brakes, the same thing's going to happen to the person behind him, right? Like nowhere to go but Only way out is through. Stomp. Yep. (laughs) Which again, at 200 kilometers an hour. Oh, jeez. At least. LeVay's Mercedes got tipped up and ends up tumbling end over end for about 100 meters, 265 feet. And LeVay was thrown free and killed instantly as a skull was crushed against the ground. Oh, oh so the hockey and tennis stuff was before. <laughs> well, I, thought, I thought you were going to, I didn't know he was the guy that later died. in life. So I thought you were, oh I thought you were suggesting God. that later when he left, he, yeah. he got out no, of the game. Uh, quite the then he picked, up, he picked up sports. He picked up tennis. He picked up <laughs> hockey. And he had kind of a nice retirement period where he's, Oh God. Okay. Yeah, I realized I should have specified. No, he died. So yeah, he, he died. He died horrifically. Hmm. Yeah, he gets he gets he dies instantly. He gets thrown fro- thrown hmm. from his car, and that was the start of the disaster. The pit <laughs> lane stretch had a feature that made everything much worse. When you're approaching the pits, 
it's more or less a straight line, but there's a slight right kink, right? Hmm. So all this is happening, <laughs> right? Slight mm-hmm. right turn for the children in the audience. <laughs> no, it's funny. <laughs> We're the children in the audience. So that basically means that this careening car isn't really careening without consequence, right? Wow. It turns like this. Yeah. And if you have a stand of people okay. at the end of that kink, so instead of flipping without consequence, it flips end over an end into a concrete stairwell, mm. at which point the car disintegrated and all of the heavy components <laughs> showered into a crowd of spectators. Yeah, we call that shrapnel. Yeah, engine, Jeez. suspension, oh. radiator, <laughs> into a crowd of people. It disintegrated because it was, it, it, was hit, all it, it mag- hit a staircase. And it was magnesium. We'll right? get into the magnesium. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. We're not there yet. We're just at the disintegration part. Okay. But the, the people. We'll get to the people too. So AKA dummies. They're being showered with. What are you doing there? They're being showered. Well, flaming debris. What? You're flaming debris. Flaming hot metal debris. Yeah. Engine. At 200. Suspension. Engine by itself. Most of the weight of your car is the Engines engine. Engines are heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Wow. More horrifically than that, though, <laughs> the hood of the car came detached and frisbeed into the crowd at neck <sighs> level, which decapitated a lot of people en masse. <laughs> really? Yeah. That is uh-huh. so insane. Right? Do we have I, a number? Just, Do you actually have a number? We'll get there. Okay. And <sighs> we're, we're just getting started, by the way. Holy so Duncan Hamilton, the other Jaguar driver, watched all of this from the pit lane. And he wrote in his 1964 autobiography, it's called Touch Wood. Uh, like knock on wood. Sure. Not. Yeah, it's not touch it. Oh, come. Penis. Like it's not the first thing that. If I had just said touch wood. I've heard uh, that expression. Right? <laughs> I say knock on wood. Peter's 10. Anyway. So in his autobiography called Touch Wood. Yes. Mm-hmm. He wrote, the dead and dying were everywhere. The cries of pain, anguish, and despair screamed catastrophe. Let's not forget the magnesium alloy body. Mm -hmm. So the fuel tank landed and exploded, (laughs) igniting the bodywork, showering all of this destruction with burning white hot debris. (laughs) So the and the track stewards they rushed to put out the fire, but they didn't really know what was going on because this was a brand new compound. So they they're running in with their water hoses, yeah, which made it way way worse. (laughs) All told, the crash killed 83 spectators, plus LeVay, uh, and injured another at least 180 people. Are yeah. you sure his biography, autobiography, wasn't called The Most People I Ever Saw Decapitated in One <laughs> Setting? <laughs> no, but that was, that was the third chapter. Oh, right. It starts out when this is youth. More first, stuff happened. Yeah, no, he brought that. that to his publisher, and his publisher was like, <laughs> we can't call Let's it this. Let's table that. How about touch wood? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, how about you touch my wood? And he stormed out. He was French, right? Sure uh, he was. Sure he was. Well, Keep talking. Jaguar, <clears throat> Jaguar. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. So in the aftermath, after some debate, the race continued. What? <laughs> yeah. So later um, the organizers, they offered a few explanations for that decision. One of them was that the participant teams would have sued the race organizers into oblivion if they had stopped. All right. The other one is that the law of sport dictated that the race must go on. And another <laughs> one was the sport. sport, right? <laughs> As passed down from the Lord to Moses. <laughs> right. From the times of Ben-Hur. Like no, wait, wait. <laughs> law of sport? Like an unspoken law of sport. <laughs> like a gentleman's agreement. Basically. Right. The race must go on. We can't count that. What out. do we do with all those bodies over there that are headless and bleeding? Uh, drive past them at 300 kilometers yeah. an hour. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. Would, they would have said the same thing. But a few uh-huh. of the heads are rolling onto the tracks. Well, 
The other the other oh, one that I heard man. was, and maybe the only maybe half reasonable explanation is that mass evacuation of spectators would have just made it worse. So mm. if they were just like, we're canceling this race, and everybody started to flee, yeah, that might have been more of a disaster. I don't know. Right. Yeah. Stampede. <clears throat> so like on, on the other side of the coin, the admi- there were actually administrative issues that stood in the way of Mercedes pulling their team out of the race, but ultimately the team manager, uh, Alfred Neubauer, pushed for their retirement almost immediately after the incident. And they did end up retiring. Okay. I think they were in first, but they oh. retired because one of their cars killed almost Caused. 100 people. <laughs> yeah. Which is a pretty good reason to Gee. back out. It's Following this, there was a moratorium on motorsport in Germany and France and other nations while tracks were brought up to better safety standards. And when right. I say moratorium, in France, it was like less than a year. Right. But still. <laughs> you gotta figure this out. Yeah. So And it was lifted out. Uh, actually, actually, except in Switzerland, one of the countries that put a moratorium on it. And they only relaxed their ban on racing in 2015 to accommodate Formula E racing which is like an electric car version of Formula Oh, e. I see. Yeah. So Switzerland is like, okay, you can race here, but only electric cars. You heard of vitamin E? Well, this is Formula E. Mm. Yeah. It's actually super cool. You should watch it. It sounds really cool. Yeah. It was, it was a little bit, not lame, but it wasn't as exciting in the first season because the battery capacity wasn't big enough. So they actually had two cars and halfway through the race, the driver would jump into another car. Oh, <laughs> like a relay race. They have to like stop and get in another car. And, and I go. imagine you don't get the same kind of sounds coming. Like you don't. You don't. But... I don't know if you, have you ever driven in an electric car, like in a Tesla or something? A hybrid. Well, a buddy of mine has a Tesla and their acceleration is ridiculous. Yeah. He has one of like the, what are the Model 3, like the quote unquote consumer level, like not the super expensive ones. Right. But the acceleration on those is on par with like a sports car. Okay. Because you don't have a dr- drivetrain where like in your car now, if you hit the gas, power from the motor has to go down the drivetrain yeah. through the wheels and the back wheels or the front wheels push or pull the car forward. Mm. With electric cars, each wheel has its own motor and the torque is Ooh. instantaneous. So when you slam your foot down, just the goes. car just takes off. Right. And Formula E cars, it's that times like a million. Oh, jeez. So it's it's exciting from that perspective. <clears throat> but there's no sound, which is kind of lame. Weird whisper ghosts. like <laughs> Basically, if you listen to it, it's track. like... Like it's, it sounds like a blender basically. <laughs> <laughs> Just like do like you did with your bike and put sp- yep. cards in the spokes. and Yeah. Well, yeah, they, they experimented like with that, that, but I don't know. It's kind of, <laughs> uh, hopefully it's the future. It's kind of cool. Like megaphones maybe just put like a microphone and like, <laughs> 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 that'd be cool. So the thing, like thing is the formula one's kind of going through that. Maybe I'll cut this out. This is maybe just for whatever. Formula one's kind of going through that because they used to do V12 engines, which were like, intolerably loud right. if you were on the track even if like you're far away <laughs> you had to have like full on construction style mm, over right. ear head ear protection right. then they went to V8s which were quieter now it's V6 turbos which aren't really much louder than like street cars hmm. anyway obviously there was a lot of finger pointing uh, Hawthorne gets a lot of the blame uh, even from Mercedes for a long time because he's the one that cut in front of Macklin and braked hard Right, he's, he's the, the Jaguar driver. He's yeah, he's the hand raiser. Yeah, Macklin also got a lot of the blame for his careless swerve into Levey. Ah, uh-huh. but again, like you're talking about, so the, like the government, they did a full inquiry and they found that no single person was responsible for the crash. Well, no, it's, which is it's the situation exactly. It's like so volatile. You try making a decision at 300 kilometers an hour, yeah. and we'll see how well you can explain it after the fact. Right. Like, well, yeah, it's kind of, well. You've set this <laughs> situation up with like almost no checks and balances, and yeah, just leaving it to fate. Yep, exactly. Never mind the fact that you've got spectators. Yeah, yeah. On and corners. Just, and it's just, it's it's inconceivable. Like, again, we've all driven on the highway. We drive regularly at 120 kilometers an hour and we can picture what that's like. 
Yeah, you don't triple even, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you can't react. And now Formula One drivers are like peak athletes and they go through rigorous training. Right. But at this time, there's training, but it's still mostly like cigarette smoking gentlemen <laughs> that are getting in a car. Right. Oh yeah. And then what if something goes wrong? <laughs> yeah. Shuts up. Exactly. That's the Le Mans 1955 disaster. <laughs> wow. That's insanity. It is, yeah. So the music that I picked for that, uh, I kind of went with some of my favorite driving music. This is a driving disaster. Like yeah. when you're driving? Yeah, when I'm driving. Cool. Yeah, I like it. So it's a band or an artist called Kavinsky. I you, knew you were going to say you Kavinsky. Knew it. <laughs> I've been like, to a lot of Me too. Kavinsky. I knew it. Yeah. yeah. I knew it too. You I, don't know Kavinsky. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Andy listens to a lot of records. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, so he's like, he's a French musician producer. His name's Vincent Bellord, Bellord Gay, Bellord G. Right? You looked at it and you don't know how to pronounce it either. So it's not going to say his name. So he's a French musician, producer, and he was basically kind of my introduction to Synthwave. Yeah. Uh, the album is Outrun from 2013 and the song's Rampage. Nice. And it's just a awesome driving <laughs> song. It's kind of like the music you want when you're on the highway by yourself at night at driving. Night. Yeah. Cool. Fucking sweet. Kind of like the movie uh, Raj. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. His music, you feel like his music is featured prominently in that movie. Yeah. Oh, is he actually? I thought you knew that. Oh, yeah. 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 I thought yeah. it was... Uh... Well, it's a number of There's artists. a lot of different artists. Uh, okay. yeah, 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 oh, sure. cool. It's really good. And it's like, I, th- I thought I'd pick the pinnacle of night driving music to go with the pinnacle of motorsport yeah. and the pinnacle of <laughs> Le Mans disasters. Um, <laughs> horrible, horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's that's my Tragedy Tuesday. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Andy, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, like I said, if you want to help us out, tell a friend. Subscribe if you aren't already. Leave us a review. If you like what you hear, get in touch. If you have anything you want to add to this disaster, because there's more details that I had to leave out because these are short episodes. Mm-hmm. But if you want to if you want to give us your own take on the Le Mans disaster, who you think was responsible, get in touch on any of the social media platforms. Let's hear from you. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk back. We promise. Mm-hmm. If you want to follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at This Disaster Pod, you can find us on our website, www.thisdisasterpod.com. And uh, we'll see you at the next major disaster. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.